use your uh, dropships as what a about support. Your, what, what about your Walkins? Can you use Walkins? Mm-hmm. Like Christopher Walkins? Yep, those. <laughs> so, uh, for your record, George, our game talk today is we are covering the basics of the drop sets, the drop set games. So I get to stand here and really look pretty. Mm, you're not, you're not capable of it. Basically, we're just talking about generally how the armies work. Gotcha. Which you are capable of. So, which we could just, I could just say, shot nanigans and <laughs> pretty much. But you are going to, you are going to have to explain that twice. Uh, the act of doing things broken to win the game at the pretty much at the the uh, the, the, the something of your opponent. Uh, the, the, gonna... the the act of um, annoying your opponent and giving them reasons to complain, and then and then and then in your defense, you have to complain and pretend like it's not a problem, even though you know deep down it is. Uh-huh. I might actually I might actually word that in the thing at some point. All right. Yep. Okay. I'm gonna push a button. Brought to you by some guys on the internet. This is getting tabled. With your hosts, Jason the Bruce. You guy! George the Yang. I hope you're all entertained by my ineptitude. Jason, a.k.a. Major Socks. We've been doing this and talking about various stuff. One of the stuff. Now sit back, relax, and get tabled. Hello, future people, and welcome to episode 79 of Getting Tabled with your host, the Bruce. Hello, folks. Welcome, welcome. And of course, we're, as always, joined by the benevolent, the evil, Magisox. Evil? I'm not evil. Yep. Uh, if you're benevolent, you're evil. Okay, fine. Whatever. And we've got George, <laughs> who's still lost in Wyoming land. I'm not, doesn't exist. I'm, not, I'm not lost. I'm just made so I'm intentionally hard to find. That works too, but you're still lost. Anyways, it's going to be back after what? It's been a while. Been four weeks because we took last fortnight off. Yep. And then I was gone the one before that because I was on vacation. Yeah. And Major Socks was too lazy to turn up, so I did it by myself. I wasn't too lazy. I was off having fun with the family somewhere. Yes, you, bet you, you were too lazy. <laughs> Anyways, I think we have some news. Yeah, we, we have some news. We never have news. Newly received or noteworthy information, especially about recent or important events. All right, and we're starting off with what in the article says is a preview, but this is actually released as of this weekend. Well, not released. It's a it's on pre-order. Ulrich the Drowner is the one of the latest things for the undead and is, in my opinion, gorgeous. Um, finally doing some new stuff for the Night Haunt, which was one of the armies that they really focused on a couple of years ago, and then just seems to have forgotten and allowed to drop off the face of the earth. Um, so they're finally giving it a new mini, which is just Games Workshop being Games Workshop. Um, I really like this mini, though, to be honest. Like The mini itself is actually really cool. Like you've got this spine on the front of the boat, because for some reason the boat is also undead. Um, it's um, what's his face on the River Six? Um, yes, I can't. I can't think of the actual like name. I can, I remember it's the boatman for the River Six. I mean, I can remember that. The 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 psychopomp from the old Greek mythologies. Yeah, yeah. For those that are wondering, a psychopomp is the boatman that he's referring to, uh, and or the giant hippo that you got to see in Moon Knight and or Death. And perhaps the best name for a rock band I've ever heard, even though it's not used. But yeah, no, I like this. I like this. I, I, 
I do get frustrated by the whole we're going to concentrate on this army and then flood the market and make everybody get sick of it for three months and then not talk about it again and then just occasionally do one thing to remind you it exists. Actually, like, it's, uh, it's funny you mention that because I actually got an email today from uh, Games Workshop. I, I probably deleted it because it was a pre-order email and I don't have the money to pre-order stuff right now. Um, but as for Night Haunt... Uh, uh, the not the uh the Deepkin and Fire Slayers. Oh, it turns out it was just codexes. Like apparently they're doing a huge yeah. block of codexes. So, um, which if you do them all at once, ah, that's amazing because then one you lessen your codex creep, and then two you don't have everyone complaining. That, Where's my codex? I want my codex. Can I can I get a codex? My codex. No, you don't. But, no, but no, no, my... no, no, no codex for you. Nobody cares but, about you. But but I, but I want my codex. Can I, can no. I just have my codex? Nope. We've been waiting longer. You can wait longer. <laughs> so, um, yeah. The, the the boatman is really cool though. Uh, it's it's very well. Obviously, it's very night hot. Um, I'm gonna complain a little bit though about Sigmar fantasy. It, there's too much undead stuff, in my opinion. Yeah. Well, I do have two different undead armies now. I kind of. I didn't really like the we create new things out of bones aesthetic. Yeah, it's... I like the idea of it more than I like the actual army itself, um, which is another reason why I'm glad that the Night Haunt are becoming a stronger thing again. I, I yeah, I, I I like the aesthetic aesthetic of the Night Haunt a lot more just because they it, it's more than just the skeleton army of um was it Nagash? Yeah, yeah. So then this is this is the thing that I find frustrating is they spend so much time focusing on one thing. Which, so far, they don't seem to be doing on Elder. Uh, but you wait for me to change around and complain about that next year. Um, I mean, they always focus on Space Marines. They always focus on Sigmarines. Um, and then they seem to pick something for 12 months and then ignore it for the rest of their existence. Um, yeah. And Nighthaunt was the most, well, one of the more recent ones of that. Because they were from a starter box last edition. Um, it, yep. it is, I don't know, there's no real perfect, I would prefer that they just did standard releases and they just did X amount of models every time and kept everything balanced, therefore we'd have much less complaining about books coming out and Power Creep would be fairly even, which it's not and it never will be because it's Games Workshop and they don't care. That's just my opinion. Yeah, um, I was I was gonna point out um, another cool part about this mini. Check out its weapon. Yeah, the or the Deathwood or. Yeah. Which the, the only reason why it's so good is it's clearly made by dwarves. Well, it's got a dwarf thing on it. Yeah, down the bottom there. <laughs> the other thing yeah. I like is like he has his scythe at the front of the boat, and he's accidentally left it upside down because the the it seems to have a rudder at the front of the boat instead of the back. Yeah. But the rudder is a scythe. It's. Just all kinds of brilliant. It, it, it needs to have a charge attack if it's going to be sculpted that way. Yes, I would agree with you on that. I don't know. No, we only see the basic see stats. The uh, moving on to more Warhammer Fest, though. Yes, so Warhammer Fest happened last fortnight. So this is older news for some people. Uh, but not for everybody. We are going to kind of just skim and skip over a few things. The biggest news that came out of that weekend is the fact that there's a new Horus Heresy box set coming out. It's probably going to cost you $700 million. Uh, no, uh, I, I believe it's going to be around the $400 mark, US. I, I, yeah, I saw £200 was the, the, the price I saw. Yeah, so it's it's not going to be a box set for everybody. 
it's going to be uh, it's a niche product that was already going to be niche and now it's going to be even more well Um, but in saying that everybody it's basically a box set that everybody's been asking for for a very long time right so all beakers yeah yeah well and the other thing too is, is is if you go back you know to the other heresy boxes that games workshop has pushed those were the quintessential buy this box now you have yeah half an army and then you buy your faction specific stuff this again is one of those boxes but it has beaks which you know whatever you can go buy other heads i can't stand the beak heads um i i, I think they need to be like driven into like a board and like uh, like a woodpecker you know gets stuck um i i'm happy to see a box like this because it brings back the option of like i'm doing the game what should i do i want to do marines by that mm-hmm. yeah pretty it. much then figure out what you need for the rest of your army yeah so it's coming with a contempt of dreadnought it's coming with the old versions of the land raider and that the land raider is just awesome uh it's really really nice um but otherwise like it's it is a really nice box set. Uh, I, I'm not entirely convinced that the pricing is a great one. Uh, I mean, I can't really argue that it's... I'm not saying that it's too expensive for what's in it. It's obviously good value. But this is meant to be a starter set for a game, and you've priced out half of your market Well, by making I, I, it that expensive at a time where, quite frankly, a lot of people don't have a lot of work right now. Well, and I was going to say, I, I, I think they're also capitalizing on everything else is expensive right now. Let's make this more expensive right now to, you know, because everyone's used to, to pay, a trend, yeah. Yeah, er, everyone's used to paying this much for this, so we'll just make our stuff cost this too, and that's right in line with everyone else's stuff. Mm-hmm. So I, it's, I, just, I, it's just as well this is Games Workshop and not a company that was already very expensive and being complained about for their expenses on a constant basis. If that was Games Workshop, they'd probably have a big problem here. Oh, wait. <laughs> yeah, look, the, these minis are great. Look, there is going to be people that will buy this because there are some people that will just buy anything that Games Workshop do and won't even think about the contrary. And look, that's fine. Everyone each to their own. Uh, but... If you're trying to get new people in, maybe you need to put your box sets at a more reasonable kind of size. Again, yeah. I'm not saying it's not good value. That there is a lot in this, but um, and yeah, two hundred pounds, three hundred US. So it's probably going to be four fifty over here, probably. Um, but sorry, but that's just it's too much money for most people if they're trying to get into a game. You're not going to get new people with that, especially in today's market. In today's market, like this sort of stuff is not going to fly. Yeah. And that's not going to get better. It's only going to get worse at this point. Well, or yeah. or stabilize and like come back down. Like we're still on the creep up. You know, t- t- typically, typically there's always, you know, like it levels off and kind of settles. Hopefully. Yeah. Uh, moving on. Uh, we also have, like I said, I'm just skimming through this. So there's going to be some things in the article that you guys will notice that I'm skipping past. Uh, there is a Warhammer Kill Team Morok, which is a new box set that's coming. We've got some Traitor Marines, not Traitor Marines, um, some Traitor Guard inside. So I don't know if we've, I don't even know the last time we actually had minis for Traitor Guard. Oh, uh, even, yeah. Forge, even Forge World don't do them anymore. It's been yeah. a very long time. Yeah, I remember seeing this box. It's got that uh, one guy that was in uh, Avatar and uh, Terra Nova, the commander dude. 
with the spikes and the evil look on his face. No, no, no. The Marine with the like the skull thing on his backpack where he's like, he's almost dabbing. He's got the beard. Oh, yes. Hang on. I've got that guy here somewhere. It's totally the guy from Terra Nova and uh, Avatar. Um, yeah. <laughs> I actually quite like that Marine, to be honest. It's quite nice. I, I like the head a lot. Um, it's just another Primaris, like, sculpt. Um, yeah, which really, is fine. I really like the head, though. Yeah, no, I, I like this box set a lot. I think this box set's going to do nicely. I do question if maybe it's a little too early for another Kill Team box. We literally had one, like, a couple of months ago. Yeah. Um, Like, this is... I mean, this is obviously later in the year, but why are you not doing box sets that you're going to keep around so that people can buy into Kill Team and not get confused by Kill Team every time they look at it? Oh, this is a really nice box. Oh, I can't buy that. Oh, I've got to buy this one. Oh, oh, that one's gone. Oh, I've got to buy this one. It, it kind of feels like there's a new starter or, yeah. or box set for Kill Team that replaces the old one three months before we should even be hearing about whispers of it. Um, uh, and, and in saying that, we did just get out of a period of not hearing about Kill Team for a year and a half. Mm -hmm. And now we've got two box sets straight away. That's really weird to me. So n next on the list that I'm just going to cover real quick because I think he's probably one of the coolest, most badass characters in uh, the Middle Earth world. Bjorn the Skin Changer. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, j just give a little quick uh, nod to that because his character was so, in my opinion, poorly done in the movies, which were, that's where a lot of people are going to know him from. The character in the book was so amazing and to have such a great looking set of mini minis. Yeah, and I love the fact that we're getting more of his folk as well. His kin. That too. So that um, was all I had for that. Um, no, no, no. That, he, that was next on my list. There's no way I was going past this. Got some squats for Necromunda. Or, sorry, yep. Votan. <laughs> uh, these are cool looking guys too. Uh, this is really making yep. me like anxious for November when everything is going to be, you know, quote unquote released. Yes. Um, I'm getting the opinion that this uh, Necromunda book will be before then. So it appears that maybe not everything's dropping at once, which is an interesting choice. I question putting them in Necromunda first, honestly. That, that just feels odd to me, but I, uh, I, whatever. I, here, here's my reason why they did them first. Necromunda, like, you know, that's a small little thing to buy. You've got it for Necromunda. Yeah. And that's just going to amp up the hype more because people are going to see what these new squats, Votan, are doing in Necromunda, and they'll be like, i got to buy an entire army. So yeah. that's why they're doing them first, in my opinion. I think this is to just build up more excitement other than the, what, decade plus of excitement of, where are we going to get squats? Oh, yeah. You know, now we're getting them, and now it's like, now we're being teased hardcore about them. So. Which is exactly what they did with the last two ones. What? Um, yeah. Uh, coming up next, the next one I wanted to look at was the Chaos Marines. So there's quite a few things. That, the, Chaos Marines is definitely the next one that they're teasing now, or concentrating on now, which is either something you're going to be extremely happy about, or already sick of. Um, because Chaos Marines, they may not get the attention that Space Marines do, but they do get a lot of attention. Uh, this stuff is absolutely insane. Um, you've got half-converted and possessed marines that are kind of like got demon tendrils coming out of them and fire where there shouldn't be fire. It's all kinds of twisted, um, hard rock metal cover art. It's just all kinds of just deliciously twisted stuff. I really, really like what they're doing here. 
So, I am so, one of these people that's kind of tired of looking at Chaos Marines at this point, but that's just me. So you want to hear my opinion? Sure. This is what all Chaos Space Marines should look like. A yep. Chaos Space Marine should not be a Space Marine with a Traitor Legion on it. That's a Traitor Legion, not a Chaos Marine. A Chaos Marine is this. Yeah. I'll fight you on that. Like, I really, really love what they're doing with this stuff. It's all really, no, really twisted. Absolutely. I think it's cool enough that even Sox probably likes it. They're doing pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> Better. Uh, you get that? <laughs> and then speaking of the Leagues of Otan, we did get a little bit more of a preview of something else that's coming. Uh, starting with the tease of their very old trike back in the day that I'm sorry, it's probably one of the reasons why they weren't successful, because that thing is horribly hideous. Yep, shoot me, I said it. Um, but well, the next one, I actually kind of like this. Uh, so, it's going to be hit or miss, but I I really like it. I do like it just because, you know, it's the whole, like, well, they kind of look like the Tau. Well, duh, read, read the backstory they're developing. You know, they trade with the Tau. You know, they're, you know, they're out there doing their, their own thing. The Tau hover. This hovers. Great. Awesome. I saw a post on Facebook. Some guy was raging, like, Gabe's Workshop, give us a conversion kit so it has actual wheels like this. And then it shows the, you know, this, um, I was going to say, haphazard of a model. I'm not going to say the word I was gonna say <laughs> to be fair the complaint about the hover stuff started with pri with the primaris tanks as well um there are there is there is a not small percentage of the community that really hates that i'm not i'm not one of them i, I do in i will agree that um it doesn't make a lot of sense in the law that they're now rediscovering how to do this but yeah. i don't have a problem with it uh for those unaware like technology in this age is supposed to be going backwards very quickly and nobody really understands how anything works so it shouldn't be possible that they've reinvented how to make other vehicles it doesn't make any sense um but yeah it, it is what it is yeah i mean i i'm also the the opinion of look how much hover stuff was around for you know 30k and the heresy and then yeah. nothing has it uh, you know, yeah. I, 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 if we're talking about this whole go back thing, yeah, absolutely. The primary should not have any of the hover stuff. You know, the land spheres should be the few far between stuff and everything. And then you have these, you know, outside and young races, the Votan and the Tau, that are all sorts of hovered out because that's what they do, including the Eldar. You know, I forgot the Eldar. Yeah, but I mean, in the case of the Votan, they've been so disconnected from the Imperium for so long that. It makes sense that they might have stuff that we didn't. We lost contact with them, so obviously we wouldn't know about it. Well, it doesn't make much sense with the with the Marines. That's that's the problem. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, if you look at the backstory on the Tau, you know, it's just like you know, in thirty k, they found this like primitive, you know, like developing society. Ten thousand years later, they're in mecha suits with rail guns, just going through any any and all imperial armor, and they're like, "What the heck?" Yeah. <laughs> Oh, okay. and then they have, have weird lizard people for melee. Yeah, uh, but that are actually bird people. Anyway, moving on. The last thing I wanted to concentrate is another one of these boxes that probably realistically needed to have come a long time ago. We're getting a new Demon Prince. Um, the new Demon Prince is stupidly over-detailed and all of that, but I really like it. Again, I, I like the new heads. Uh, the weakest of the new heads in my eyes is probably probably the um, Nurgle one I don't like the head I'm sorry just show me uh, the rest of them are all pretty much perfect for their for their um, design I would argue 
Uh, the corn one feels very corn, but it doesn't just feel like it's a blood that it's uh, a bloodthirster. Blood I just slapped out. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I really the, like the the Zinch one. It's really cool. I was, was cool. going to say the, the Zinch one has got some great feel to it. Of it's Zinch, but it's like it's its own Zinch. So um, I will say this: Do you know why we got this new box and why it looks so great? Uh, because people were complaining. No, why? Because we got Total War Three, where you can customize your own Demon Prince. Ah, uh, yeah, true. That's a good point. That's actually a very good point. Yes. So uh, again, socks, the four heads. Do you have any preference? Uh, probably the top left. The corn one. Yep. Yeah. Uh, that that's yep. That makes sense. Well, no, there's technically five. There's there's the four the four gods, and then if you scroll up. Well, yeah, you get the one purple one at the top. That's, yeah, that you know, is a, true. A chaos undivided. I do really like that chaos undivided head. Just I do as well. I love the razor teeth, but I think oh, I feel dirty even saying this. I think the corn might be my favorite as well. And I notoriously don't like corn stuff. Corn's usually. tasty. Corn for the, the corn god. To be fair, the it's not that I don't like corn, it's just that I got so sick of looking at it for such a long time because it got flooded on the market for so long. So I just got sick of looking at anything to do with corn for a long time. Um, Try living next to Nebraska. Uh-huh. <laughs> All right, time to move away from Games Workshop because the jokes are getting bad. All right, TT Combat have some stuff coming for the Rumble Slam game. As well as a couple of little things that you, that I've looked at, but you guys haven't. So, we did very, very briefly look at the models for the behemoths. Uh, we now have the price, which was £95, which is what we were... Expecting. Well, that's, that's pretty much around what we were expecting, yeah. Uh, I haven't ordered one yet. I will be ordering one when the budget allows. Um, I just don't have the money for that at this stage. But the Rumble Slam stuff. So we have Catalia, which is definitely not Natalia, uh, the daughter of uh, Jim the Anvil Nineheart. Uh, and we have Gin Diesel, that looks more like Will Smith than it does Vin Diesel, but that's just my opinion. Um, we have Tin Khan, which is totally not... Um, oh... Forgetting uh, yeah, the name of a wrestler. I well, no, I like I'm looking at that. It's like uh, I, like it's like that's referencing something, and I just I can't put my finger on it. Uh, but when you say wrestler, it's uh, uh the Sheik from the '80s, right? Hey, thank you. you. Yeah, that is. Thank you. I was completely blanking on it. But it's not the highlight for me. The highlight for me is the one that I didn't even notice the first time I looked at this. You're we have serious. Stargate you didn't minis. notice that. You didn't we notice have Stargate minis. <sighs> It's one of two things. Either, yes, it's Jack O'Neill from the original Stargate movie, or, because the gun is pink, therefore it's a water gun, it's Matt Cardona when he's doing the whole um, beach wrestler thing. Or... Which won't or, mean anything to you, but... It's MacGyver. Yeah. I love everything to do with this because I'm a huge Stargate fan. Uh, the only thing I will say is it really doesn't feel Rumble Slam, but then again, what is Rumble Slam at this point? It's... I mean, the guy, he's carrying around a gun. I mean, come on. In my head, it's a water pistol. That That's just my opinion. That That is probably why they painted it pink, is to, you know, detract from the... Well, he's got a gun. firearm. No, it's a water yeah. gun, because we painted it pink. Oh, no! It, it, actually is, it actually is written that it's a water pistol. Yeah. That is brilliant. Don't worry, it's only a squirt gun. Between his water pistol and his snake eyes grapple, Russ can really take down some suppressive fire. Sorry, put down some suppressive fire. Uh, and the the crocodile god thing, 
that looks like a male version of the enemy in um, Moon Knight. I, yeah, no, I love everything about this. It's, yeah, it's easily the highlight for me. Not that the other ones look bad. I mean, I do like the fact that we've got Natalia or Catalia. Um, the real life version of that is probably one of my favorite wrestlers. Uh, very underrated in my opinion. So that, that was a nice touch. And the fact that they've kind of mixed her with her cat, which is something that she's obsessed with, just makes a lot of sense for those that do understand it. And for those that don't, it doesn't take away from it. Like, you don't have to understand who it is to enjoy the character, if that makes sense. Uh, but, moving on. Atomic Mass Games. We've gotten a couple of previews ahead of our... Because they've got this big event coming up next month where they're going to start teasing a whole heap of stuff. A whole lot of stuff, and I am looking forward to it. A whole lot of stuff. Yep. I'm hoping... Hoping to see some Armada stuff in there. Uh, I want to see the Ewoks. But for now, we get Idris Elba and Carl Urban. Yes. yes. So we got Heimdall and Scourge, and Heimdall is standing in the middle of the Rainbow Bridge. Like, not on top of it. He's standing in the middle of the middle Rainbow of Bridge. Um, I like the fact that you can kind of paint that however you would want to. Like, it could just be crystals of some kind. I do kind of like how they've done it. Uh, I do kind of worry that those pieces are just going to break. But also, realistically, you could just build it without putting those on there if you really don't like it. Uh, And then we have Scourge, which first thing I'm going to say is I don't like the paint scheme they've used for Scourge. I do love the mini, though. I would probably try to paint mine up to look a little bit closer to the movies as opposed to going for the really cartoony look that they've done there. Especially with the hot pink uh, axe emblem on his... Chest plate. I have a complaint to make about Scourge. He needs to have a pile of stuff. This is my stuff. Yes. Um, no, I really like this. There was another one that they teased as well. I didn't think it was as exciting. Uh, there's another two people coming out for the black... Um, uh, I can't think of that. Th- Thanos' people. Uh, there's another two people coming out from that that I didn't... Yeah, I'm trying I to remember just who wasn't, they are. wasn't as exciting for me. But, that's alright. We... We'll continue to move on to some very sad news, unfortunately. I continue every time another one of these stories come up to say that I'm surprised we haven't had me- we haven't had more of them. Um, Antonosity's workshop is gone. Um, some listeners will be thinking they've been on the way out for a while, and you won't be wrong. Uh, they have almost gone into liquidation about two, two and a half, maybe three years ago. Um, and managed to get through a hard time with people that supported them. The owner uh, fell... Sorry, I should say, before I go into this too deeply, here are the simple facts. There was a post to say that they were struggling a few weeks ago. They are officially in liquidation. Their Facebook page has been completely removed, and their website has been completely taken down. Some of the rest of this is going to be fact, Some of the rest of this is going to be talk from the industry. But unfortunately, because of the nature of this report, it's very hard to distinguish what is from what. So believe what you wish. I can tell you for a fact that the health stuff I'm about to talk about is real because it came from Jed himself. Uh, Jed had been struggling with some health issues that meant that he could not wear masks and so forth around the resin, which for those that are not aware is definitely a dangerous thing and that appears to have made it very very difficult to keep up with the bottom line because if he can't cast he can't keep up with orders um they had been running down stocks 
for quite a while, uh, and they had a, they were talking about trying to go across to maybe just being STL only, but it looks like they've crumbled before they could really get to that point. Um, it is sorry to say, Antonov City's workshop is one of the originals. Um, I was talking with Viv from Knights of Dice recently, and he remembers Antonosity's workshop being around when he first started, which was many, many years ago. Um, him and Antonosity's workshop started by building terrain from her start scenery stuff uh, and selling it on eBay. And, like, this is a long time ago now, uh, before most of the MDF companies and so forth existed. Um, and Antonosity's workshop were... A legitimately really big I, I would argue that this is it's very close to the level of losing secret weapon I'm not going to say it's quite up there because realistically we've known that they've been struggling for a while um, sad to see another company go um, hopefully we'll be able to get some more information on this as time passes this is a matter of days at this point and that's why not all of the information's out there uh, like even Beasts of War haven't really spoken about this yet um, because it's just it's still very fresh. Uh, it is a legitimate thing. They are legitimately gone. Um, but the finer details and stuff probably won't be coming out for weeks, if not months at this point. It's just nature of the beast with this sort of thing. Um, yeah, always sad to see people go. Um, either of you, I don't suppose Sox would have had much. Contact, I had but... ne never heard of it until you mentioned it just now. So. Oh, yeah, that's fine. They were one of the bigger one of the bigger people out there. They were doing a lot of stuff with Infinity and stuff. Not just exclusively, but they, they, they were one of the big... One of the first that started doing terrain for them. All right, moving on. There's this little game called Conquest that we talk about quite frequently. Little? Yep, yep, just little. Uh, uh, I mean, size of the game-wise, it's quite big, but... I, I'm not going to say little anymore after seeing the uh, uh, Old Dominion Fallen... Yeah, um... Um, it's loading, so I can get the rest of the name. Oh, uh, Divinity Artisan series. Yeah, yep. that that thing's not little. No, this is this looks like it's going to be around the size of the um, the T Rex. So the Artesian series is a is a thing of limited edition minis that are like this is like a collector's piece, is what it's designed as. You can use these in games as well, uh, but it's primarily designed. As like an art piece, piece, like something to be proud of. I really, really love this thing. This is absolutely gorgeous. The bat wing and the angel wing is kind of odd, but then it's supposed to be odd. So I just kind of find it weird that she has an angel. Like she has, she has like the look of, an har of a harpy on one arm. And then she has a bat wing coming down the rest of her back. It's really weird. Um, the two undead dogs in front of her that kind of look like Dobermans to me, sort of. I'm, or greyhounds. I'm going to go back here a little bit and say that's not an angel wing, because if you look, that's also her arm, too. That's why I said harpy. Okay, okay. Um... But, good point. Like, like legit good point. I really like this, though. Uh, they have one of these for every army at this point. Uh, we haven't covered all of them, uh, but I really do like it. I love this a lot. Uh, the other big one is the Wadrun are finally getting their hunting pack. So this is just giant swarms of dinosaurs uh, that you can send out after your guys. I, I really, really like these. I'm definitely buying some at some point. 
I have a huge backlog at the moment and my conquest is kind of falling to the back of it uh, just because I've just gotten too much. I, I tried to do too many things at once and I'm I'm struggling hobby-wise at the moment. Uh, we'll talk about say, more are, of that later. Are you, you going to paint them up like uh, Chris Pratt's little friends? <laughs> no, I don't know. That's what I was thinking of when I first saw these. It was like, oh, it, looks, it reminds me of Jurassic Park and all those little hunting parties of raptors. Yep. Oh, I'm sure that's completely accidental. Yeah. Purely. These purely. are more real world than fantasy, though, because they are all feathered and stuff. Although they have started changing that in the Jurassic Park in the new one, too. Yep. But yeah, I like this stuff. Um, and then, moving on. We haven't spoken about Batman much. Um, I've almost spoken about Batman a lot of times, but there's a new two-player starter set coming based around the new movie, so I thought it was probably worth actually having a look at this. You mean echolocating nocturnal flying mammal man? Uh-huh. Yes, yes. So first things first, if you pre-order this before the 20th, you get a an exclusive Drifter miniature, which is Bruce Wayne in his, in his Homeless Men attire. Um, because this version of Bruce Wayne is not yet to the point where he starts showing off in real life. He's kind of so focused on Batman that he's kind of forgetting to hide at this point. It'll be interesting to see how that changes in the new movies. I really like these minis, though. Uh, these minis appear from the description to all be CO-cast. They have not specifically called it CO-cast, but they are calling it thermoplastic which is CO cast. So you can probably expect this stuff. It depends on how they do it. If they use the new formula, it should be like uh, modern day resin or hard plastics. But if it's the older stuff, and I suspect that it will be, uh, then mold lines are going to be annoying to remove and so forth. Because uh, it's one of the frustrating things about it. So but you it, have, is, yep. is it me or does it look like this uh, Batman is based off of the, the most recent uh, uh, Pattinson Batman? Yep. Okay. I, I'm glad that you were listening to me when I literally said that two or three minutes ago. Did? Oh, probably because I was looking at the pretty miniatures. Yeah, probably. Um, I, I really, really love this stuff. I have played the Batman game before and I kind of left it because the, the Batman game is a game that for a long time was struggling in its translation. Uh, there was a, quite a few things that got lost in translation in its early edi earlier editions. They seem to have fixed a lot of that stuff, which is good. Um, I really, really like what I'm seeing here. Um, these are probably not the ones that I would buy personally, but I really do love them. It's just that if I was going to do it, I'd, I'd be wanting to go Mr. Freeze or Riddler or someone classic. I was going to say, if you scroll down, they have Mr. Freeze and his game and gang and uh, Bane yep. on Venom Overdrive with his dudes. And the Bane looks... That is Bane. Amazing. That yeah. is what Bane should be looking like. No offense, Tom Hardy. You did a great job. Whatever you were in the... Uh, whichever Batman was, is Poison Ivy, you know, whatever. That Bane was absolute garbage. That's Bane. That is beautiful. Yeah. Uh, the Poison Ivy one was even worse than Tom Hardy. Yeah, no. Yeah, yeah no. Tom Hardy yeah. was, you know, he did good. Tom Hardy he, was good. Yeah. That garbage they had that you was know, Bane with Poison Ivy, that was, well, it was garbage. I only have one criticism of Tom Hardy's performance. And that's the fact that the character is supposed to be Mexican, not whatever on earth that accent was supposed to be. I think that accent was made up. Um, but yeah, anyway. It, it was him struggling just to speak while he uh, ex asphyxiated with that mask on. Well, yeah, that's true. 
Um, <laughs> because I wasn't going to go into the, but yeah, the the Mister Freeze stuff is probably where I would be leaning. That's not Mister Freeze in the middle though. That's actually Killer Frost. Uh, but you can use them together in this, which kind of makes sense. Um, but we're not going to do a deep dive into um, the Batman game at this stage because I really don't need to be tempted by more stuff. All right, finally, Bushido, the Risen Sun, the new two-player starter set that we have the unboxing for, uh, is now available to buy on the normal market. So you can now buy the Risen two-player starter set with all of the really cool, sexy minis. And we've got our new wave of minis. So Ito Huruto, which is the Snake Man Samurai that we previewed two weeks ago, three weeks ago now. Uh, and Sora, which is the mini Moto guy that we previewed a few weeks ago. We also have Akoshi, which looks very, very similar to the skeleton guys that we have looked at previously. Uh, and personally, is my favourite mini of this set. Because he's just all kinds of awesome. I, I still think the skeletons that they do for this game is the best skeletons on the market. And I'm going to continue saying that until somebody shows me something that's better. Uh, I do like the Itsube, the um, Hawk. the Tengu guy. Yeah, he's, he's a really nice looking mini. Yeah, and then finally, there's a Ronin called Tadoki, uh, which is just kind of stoic standing there, threatening you to come closer. Tadoki? Tadoki, yeah. I really like these minis. I don't know if you guys have a preference for which of them you think is nicer. For me, it's the skeleton. It would be followed by the snake man, but I'm kind of biased on the snake man. Um, I'm I, more I, Edo. I was going to say, Edo, Edo just looks so, like, traditional for, you know, yeah. the, the, the genre of what this game is supposed to be. He just, he looks so good. Now, yep. Takato or Tadoki, sorry, Tadoki, I would like a little bit better if it was a different hat. Whatever yeah. he's wearing on his head is killing the mini for me. It looks almost like a uh, headdress of some sort. Not really a headdress, but... No, I think headdress is a scarf. Yeah, I think headdress is the is the, is the correct term for me. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I can see what you're saying, yeah. It, it, it looks more eastern than you know feudal japan yeah. well to be to be fair there are characters in this that don't come from the Shuar isles so i suspect that you're right and that this comes from i would probably say middle eastern by the look of that because that outfit mm -hmm. is not yeah that the outfit does feel middle eastern to me uh but i don't know what the character's background is but he is a ronin so it wouldn't surprise me if he just comes from elsewhere uh this is not one that they have the story out for yet but I um I also yeah. like Sora, just because, again, he's in that traditional Japanese uh, samurai yeah. armor with the huge spear and the... So. Yeah. yeah, come on. Come on. Uh, uh, all right. That's the end of our news. Shall we discuss some hobby? No. Indie. Definition. Independent. Type. Slang word. Jargon. Given that you said no, George, I think you should go first. Uh, so we're talking about Battle Kiwi, which is uh, the aiming for the indie. Uh, yes, of course. I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> Way to go, Bruce. Oh, fine. Fine, fine. All right, Battle Kiwi. I actually kind of, when I did an unboxing for these guys recently, I actually stated on that unboxing that this is a company I wanted to do a, a focus on because these guys have some really, really nice stuff. Uh, I am going to start oh with... Oh, yeah. I'm going to start by going oh, no, to the it's terrain. I just found for one of my games that I play. <laughs> Let Sorry. me guess. Star Battle? No. 
No, we'll we'll get to it. go to, go to what you were talking about. Are you talking about the sea terrain? I haven't seen the, that yet, but give me a second. See what I'll terrain? Sea terrain, as in islands for battleship games, that and they are too, really but... really nice. So these islands are the, the islands themselves are three D printed, sitting on MDF bases. I own these. Like this is an unboxing that we have on our channel at this point. Uh, I really really am a fan of these. Um, when I unboxed them, I was kind of talking about. Dystopian Wars. Where are these uh, islands? Where are these islands? I want to find these islands. Terrain. Sea terrain. Ah, Listen. Sorry. <laughs> this is what I work with, people. I know. I was looking at other things. Sorry. My bad. Ooh, shiny. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, so th they're MDF bases, uh, and it's a 3D printed island that's on top. That you do kind of you got a very slight sea of the 3D printing lines, but they're very, very faint. Um, it's almost impossible to tell that they're 3D printed. By the time that you painted and flocked, the, flocked these, you wouldn't notice at all. Um, it's I really, really like these. And I'm talking like this because, like I said, I own them, I've unboxed them. So. They do look nice. But how big are they? Because I see there's like a picture of one with the, the boat next to it. Um, so the, the tiny little one, the tiny little one is probably maybe... That the biggest one is probably this. That's not bad. And about that tall. The good thing about being islands, and and I'm just gonna say, I know that there's someone on the dystopian wars community that attacked me over suggesting you could use these for dystopian wars. Uh, but the good thing about islands is realistically, like, islands can be any size. There's not yeah. really a. I mean, there is a scale that's listed here on the website. Like there is a hundred percent of scale they're intended for, but if if it's a, if it's smaller in a particular game, then the island is just smaller. It's kind of like trees. How trees don't really have a scale. I mean, they do, but they don't. Yeah. Um. If you were worried about it being a game that's in real life, then yes, obviously you will have bigger problems because I don't know what islands these are. They're very clearly generic islands that don't exist. Uh. But they are designed specifically for Black Seas Armada, which is what I intend to use them for. Yep. Dystopian Wars, Okanine, etc. That that is what they are designed for. Um, the widest island is seven and a half inches, and the highest one is two and three quarters high. So it gives you a bit of an idea for scale. Yeah. All right. I want to know what you're looking at. Me? Yes. So right on the front page, I saw. So I play Black Seas, which is similar to Armada. Yes. They have the little um, display boards, your little battle boards. For all of your ships that your ship cards can go into and you can have damage points and sale ratings and stuff like that i'm just like that is perfect for what yeah i need for my black seas and, and yeah Fox, here's the best part because that's a new zealand do dollars i know it's only 2130 for the set yeah it's not with, bad with 700 shipping yeah exactly that's the problem i don't know if shipping would be that much I don't know. Well, well, I I guarantee you, if it's any sort of like freight company, it's probably going to hit like a major port in Australia first. Uh, that that is a good point. Yeah, and then that is a good point. Come out. I I don't I don't I don't know how big commerce is with New Zealand, so don't yell at me. But logistically speaking, if I was a freight company, I would have a you know my focus in Australia and not do a huge one in New Zealand. I'd send it over to the big island of Australia and then send it over to wherever. The rest of the world. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Sucks. 
We're going to Star Battle Terrain, and we're going to look at the Sanctuary Ranch. All right, I'll come back. I'll come back with you guys now. Sorry. Because it's totally about some generic-looking thing called Star Battle, and it's definitely not about Star Wars. Oh, no, not about Star Wars. No, it's definitely not Star Wars at all. But, oh, my goodness. There's a few buildings here that I could see in a certain, I don't know, ice planet that people would like to recreate a battle on. You mean Um, Kolth? Is that the name of it? Yeah, that one. Um... Yes, yes, no, because that's copyrighted as well. Uh, I really like the power generator. It's just that you just want five or six of these right next to each other, yeah, and then blow them up when Uh they when they lose the battle. Despite, but it's going to feel good because the giant robot thing will be destroyed, and that'll make you feel like you achieved something, even though you didn't. Yeah, I can stop talking about Star Wars now. No, you can't. Uh, No, No, I know that there's more there. Uh, the guard tower is quite nice, nice as well. Is this it? I, I... Shield generator. Oh, the yep, 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 yep. That belongs on the Battle of Endor, and obviously mm-hmm. we were talking about Hoth in that first comment, just in case it wasn't super obvious. That's actually a mix of MDF and resin, which yeah. is a nice idea. So, so uh, if you go terrain, yes, sci-fi twenty eight thirty two Rumble Dome domain. Yep. And then you have the I arena. Have this. The arena bundle. Yeah. It's absolutely incredible. That this is, is that is totally not the arena where Samuel Jackson lopped the head of Django Fat off. Oh, that you can dirty it up and make it look like that. Yeah, yeah, you could almost. Right? This is actually designed for Aristea, the um, Infinity Sports game. I believe I could be wrong because it doesn't say that specifically, but it looks like the Aristea board to me. Um, and I mean, it's three hundred and five bucks, but. Look at the size of the actual arena you're getting. It's a full, actual-size arena. It looks really cool. And if you don't want to play Aristea, there is no reason why you couldn't just have um, a fight in the middle of this thing. It's a hundred. It's a hundred and ninety US. It's. I would argue it's actually like this is a bargain. So, so now you take your kill team rules for forty k, and you literally have it just like a kill team where it's like it's a gladiatorial combat arena. I love that idea way more than I should. Yep, I love that idea. Um, Star Battle Terrain Outer Rim. And this is where you'll see some of your more sandy planet stuff. They've really only got the one, which... The reason I wanted to point this out is I actually see this right in the middle of a start of a 40k game. I mean, I know that I know what it's supposed to be, but to me, that's a Necron type tower. It just feels very Necron-y to me. It's very modular, the, too. Yes, yeah. So, um, another yep. thing I'm gonna I'm gonna jump at real quick. If you go tokens templates, Age of Sigmar. Oh, uh, yep. Which so I'm gonna I haven't looked at the 40k ones. So the first thing right there, Age of Sigmar Battle Scroll. And yeah, you this have, is a really clever idea. Right. Some of the stuff is just like like you have you know then you have the storm stormcast stuff, and so it's just like it's a very well designed you know tracker board for the game. Because let's be honest, you know some of that stuff you need to have additional trackers for. Hence why you have companies like this doing this. And this one looks really good because if you click on it, it's actually two part. It slides open yeah. to store the actual tokens inside of it. If they had a Skaven one, I would have brought it already. They don't have a Skaven edition for it. But this is really, really, really clever. And I, is it something that you need to play the game? No, but it makes things so much easier. It's just really well thought out. Um, they do have kind of similar ideas for a few things. Um We've obviously talked about the um, the Black Seas ones already. Uh, you do have tokens for Armada, 
which is, I believe, Star Wars Armada. Yep, it is. I was just, I was just looking at them, and it's your range rulers, your, and then the same kind of a, a flight tray battle board for all your yep. ships and cards and stuff like that. And those look nice, too. You've um, also got something, you, you've got tokens for Legion as well. Um, mainly looking at around like Arc of Fire templates and just general tokens and stuff. Uh, you then go into Infinity, and if there's ever a game that needs tokens, it's Infinity. Uh, there's that many tokens in Infinity that it feels like a problem from the outside. Um, but they do like their battle wallets, which is essentially a... If you open the Code 1 battle wallet, for example... It's basically the same thing, but for Infinity, and you've got the tokens that can stand up, and then when you've used the token, you sit it down, so you can just keep a track of how everything is going. It's it's quite a clever idea. It, it works really well, and there's, like, movement templates and everything on the inside of it yeah, as well. Yeah, your range stuff and everything. Yeah, that's actually really... Because then when you're, you, when you're done with it, you close it all up, and it fits into a nice little... It's in your pocket, little, pretty and, much. Yeah, and then you pull it out, and then it's all right there. You don't have to, like, fumble through it. I like that. But bases round bases there, there's a lot of stuff on here like i'm only skimming over this website quite deliberately um but if you open up that i'm gonna start with the prospect icarius because it's probably the most impressive looking of all of them because it comes with a display board like seriously this comes with a display board and an optional tray as well so this is a display board and the bases are designed to be a part of the display board so you don't have this issue of where the bases just gen generically look like they belong there. Like, they are literally part of the actual design of the board itself. You can just buy it as just the bases. Like, if you had a huge army and you wanted to swap and change things out, you could easily do that. Uh, the bases themselves actually have the Arc of Fire built into the base. There's a bright acrylic that's done as part of the base. And then the display piece goes on top of it so that it's all glued together and you permanently have the Ark of Fire on it. I am a big fan of that. Personally, I brought... What did I buy? I bought the Foxtrot once, uh, which is two across from what we were just looking at. And oh, I don't have a display board for mine. It's just the bases themselves. Uh, but again, I really, really, really love the design of these. I, I like the whole display board, like... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because there's some people, you know, where it's like, they've spent the time and effort and energy in at least painting their army, and then the whole, like, thought of, like, oh, now I have to do a display board. Yeah. You got it all in one. Yeah. Yeah. Which, I mean, what, that's, what, 40 bucks for that, probably? Something like that. Yeah, it'd be around there somewhere. Uh, you can get G-Dub Oval bases. I think they're fairly generic-looking ones from memory. Yeah, they are. They're just generic bases. Um, I don't believe there's any more actual decorative bases on here. The MDF base idea is something that I've seen you... We've only seen this once before, which is a death by design. Um, I'm still surprised there's not more people doing it, because it just seems like an instant win. I mean, there's always going to be people that prefer to do their own bases, and that's fine. I've been doing my own bases, I don't need them. Uh... That's just, it's just a really simple, easy idea. We actually have an unboxing coming for the um, Foxtrot stuff at some point. It's already filmed and available to our Patreon. Hey, plug, plug, Patreon. Um, but, yeah, that's Battle Kiwi. Uh, just at a very very quick glance, like I said, there's a lot more on here we could be looking at. There's organizers, there's generic game aids, dice trays, all of your usual MDF stuff. But... We're going to talk about some hobby, and George is going first. Dream. 
Blue. Prime. Paint. For my hobby, I'm going to briefly talk about my seething hatred of FedEx. What have I not delivered to you now? Uh, my Massive Darkness 2 pledge was supposed to arrive today. It's now arriving tomorrow. You'll get it by December then. Yeah. Uh, there, there was a little tiny Kickstarter that I talked about uh, a few months ago. Several months ago over, actually. Um, mm -hmm. and, I, and I finally got it. Oh, it's the trains! The little trains. Choo-choo! Nice. So... They do look really good. The detail on these is absolutely stunning for their size. Yeah, they do look nice. Yeah, I really do like them. Have but, you just pulled out one of each and put them in a bag so you can show them off? No, so this is a, uh, a bag of extras because I've got all the tins. I'm going to grab the tins here in a second. The tins, the amount they hold was enough for like Ticket to Ride. And, but then there was a version of Ticket to Ride Asia where mm -hmm. extra trains were needed. And so for like 10 bucks, you got the bag of extra trains so that you had enough so i like that one union pacific style regulars wait 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 there you go yeah so uh obviously i got all five sets and they come in their own little altoid tin so you got the hornet and the sunset the midnight express which i just i love the look of this tin too it's just so yeah, yeah. it looks very nice the mercury which is the the bullet train one and the general. Yeah. So the artwork on the little tins is just amazing too. I have not cracked these open, you know, because well, lots of tiny little trains. Um, I need to see if they, <laughs> I need to see if they fit in the ticket to ride box before I worry about opening them. But yeah, I I got this. I was like, oh, they're finally here because like they had the worst time for shipping. So there was like a week delay in the factory, and yeah. with that week delay, they missed their container, mm -hmm. and so it sat there in the port for another three weeks before they could get on a container. Yeah. Then they arrived in the U.S. and they got randomly selected to get inspected, and it wasn't the paperwork inspection or take the box and send it through the X-ray inspection. No, it was take the boxes, go into the room, and open the boxes inspection. Oh, awesome. And then they had to go that through. That never goes well. Right. Well, and then they had to go through and they get stuff reboxed to get it to the, you know, the, the final. <laughs> yeah. So, like, and they were like, and what did we get? We got number three because we're that lucky. And yeah. So they had a lot of issues um, with their shipping, um, but totally worth it. Um, let me pull it up real quick. They're actually um, available for sale at a, at a store in Australia, I noticed. I didn't oh, really? actually realize. I didn't actually realize it was the same ones until I started seeing the boxes. Like, oh, Oh, they are the same ones. So let me let me see what my pledge was. Uh, yeah, and, and yeah, it's just a tiny little game accessory, but oh, it's so so perfect. It'll look, it'll look cool on the game board when you. Uh, so play. yeah, seventy nine dollars for all uh, five sets. It's not bad. Certainly better than what you'd be paying for them at retail, I suspect. I I, I I would I would say look at the level of detail. I mean, let me just put the general back up here, right? I mean, look at the level of detail yeah. on that. Yeah. You gotta be looking at least twenty five bucks a ten, if not twenty twenty bucks a ten, right? So you figure five tens. Hundred twenty. Hundred hundred twenty yeah. So, oh, I didn't even, yeah, apparently there's the little uh, things to mark on the board, too, that are in the tins that I haven't looked at yet because I haven't cracked them open. So, um, 
I am very, very happy with this Kickstarter. I think it is a great little um, accessory for, let's be honest, Ticket to Ride has gotten huge. So yeah. you buy these, yes. you use them with all your Ticket to Rides, and apparently they designed this to work with like four or five other train-based board games. So um, they created a, yeah. a nice little accessory for not a niche, but, but you know, a, a very, you know, it'll be around for a while, you know, genre of board game. And I don't see that scale being an issue for years to come with other board games either so not to be fair ticket to ride did have a collector's edition version that came with a similar idea to that uh but that doesn't help people that already ordered the game so this is Mm -hmm. another way if like if you looked at that it was like but i don't want to buy the game again this is another way around it yeah uh locally because i just brought it up 34.95 for one of the tins 34 So you got an insanely good deal. Well, and that's Australian, right? Yeah, so it's even cheaper for you. So it'll be so, about $29.30. What'd you say, $34? $34.95. $34.95. In Australian dollars to the US, that is $24.24. So 25 bucks times five. You got a good deal. Yeah, so um well worth back in that kickstarter um uh when, when casey saw him she's like oh so we're gonna have to break out tickets right now and i'm like i mean yeah yeah we'll, we'll have to so yeah. um see anything else i thought something else showed up uh i don't think so you had a cthulhu death may die but i think you've talked about it already yeah, yeah i talked about that um i i've been i'm still in piles of chaos uh reorganizing my office and everything so um no, I think that's it. Fox, what have you been up to? Other than causing a mess all over your table. Yeah, it's still over there. Uh, actually, I've been finishing up my Victory at Sea Imperial Japanese fleet. So I showed this a couple weeks ago. This is the destroyer that I did. Yeah. Um, this is the carrier that I completed. So put him side nice. by side. So And then that is a single decal. No, I did not hand paint all of that stuff. And then I found a site online that I'll be ordering two scale 3D planes that I'll be putting on the carrier deck itself to make it look more. That, that's the American carrier that I have. That's a cool idea. I love that idea so much. I, yeah. I am disappointed in the fact that you did not paint that detail on now. Sorry, and then here's the amount. I don't know battle. why. I don't know why you expected him to when you already knew that he had the decals. Yeah, <laughs> that's the model battleship. So compared yeah. to the little destroyer. So uh, next will be just got a order in of new of the airplane uh, minis for it. So just sprayed them blue. So now I'll go through and uh, I paint the actual planes themselves. They're colors and, and whatnot for each of the factions yep. and then i'll move on to my uh, american fleet because uh, the guy i'm playing against here locally is painting up all of his american fleet so i painted up all my japanese and that's the side and then i pre-ordered a game um some people have already received it already it's coming out f- by warlord games as well it's called combined arms and it's a board game but you can then take it and use their bolt action series their cruel seas series their red Bl- or blood red sky series and the victory seas series and use it and build a campaign at using all four games if you want or one of them individually or whatever you have interesting that that's yeah i like that idea yeah so i'm interested to see how it works with the victory c stuff i'd Um, be interested to hear how you find it compares compared to the drop zone the drop universe equivalent because obviously like we have a the, the when drop fleet came out that was a really exciting idea that never caught on because it was very clunky so, so I, that's the big 
the, the cool thing about this one that I've seen, I've been watching some videos trying to get myself ready for it. The board itself is about a 12 inch by 12 inch square board. And that's the size of the board that you play on for your campaign map. And oh, you okay. So you could have this set off to the side and, and then... Very easily, yeah. Very easily have... Do your little movement pieces up with your little pieces of the of the board itself and then go over to the big tabletop and play Victory at Sea or Bolt Action or whatever you have. So I'm excited to see how it plays out. So yeah, I'll definitely uh, let you guys know. It's like, hopefully I'll get it in here the next couple of weeks. Like I said... Yeah, I no, that'll be good. It'll, it was a pre-order through Miniature Market, but some other people in Europe already have it. So hopefully in the next couple of weeks, they'll release it from under the pre-order yeah. status. Nice. Yeah. That's what I've been working on. I've been working on some Bushido. So not all of this is finished. Um, so this guy's other half of his skin is not done. But I've also been doing the bases, more importantly. This is a, um, a pre-made basing set. This is just a base itself. Um, this is one of the pre-made ones by Geek Gaming Cynix. And it doesn't want to focus on the base. But I really like how these are turning out. They're really, really good. Unfortunately, Isunagi got broken as I was putting him on the base, but that's okay. And then last but not least, the two-headed snake himself, Yasumara. Um, the one thing I want to do is I want to put a grass tuft right in the middle of his coil here. Um, oh, that's a nice to... little touch. Yeah, that would look nice. Yeah, that, that's my plan. I'm really, really happy with how these have turned out, honestly. Um, like I, I am using a pre-made thing, as I said, but... I'm just, I, it's been really easy and I've been really, really happy with how they've turned out. Um, yeah, um, hobby, I've been struggling a little bit hobby-wise the last few weeks. Uh, I, on stream, I did build up some Conquest stuff last weekend. Uh, and I've been doing a lot of building of the terrain that I should probably show off as well. I'm guessing his headphones are wireless. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so this is a terrain piece that I was building. I know you two have seen pictures of it already, but... Uh -huh. Oh, that's pretty cute. These can all come off. So, this is what I'm going to be using for my equivalent of the um, lake house cabin. Nice. Oh, that, that, is, nice. that is my plan for this set. So it's like... For this particular it, building. Instead of a lake house cabin, it's a Tahiti cabin. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, if I take it off the stilts, which I can, then it just looks like it's an old-style cabin. Yeah, yeah, uh, and I've done that on purpose because my original plan for this stuff was that I was going to use this for Bushido and um, Wild West Exodus. Now, obviously, I do have some more Wild West stuff that I need to build as well now, uh, but that was my original plan. So I always intended to be able to break it down uh, for a game like Don't Look Back. I don't know because I mean it doesn't have to be an American campsite. Um, it, it's what whatever I, I want it to be. That's what, yeah, well, yeah. that's why I said Tahiti, you know, like, but, like, you ever hear of spring break where, you know, U.S. college students travel around the world and act like a bunch of idiots? That's not just the U.S. Okay, um, but, but there's a, 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 a channel that used to show music videos that makes a big deal out of it. Yeah, there was a TV <laughs> show that used to show things off, too. Um, but, yeah, no, that that's my plan. Uh, my plan for the actual stilts is um to basically um like grass them up and put bushes and stuff around them so you can't argue about line of sight that that's my plan um and we'll just see how it goes but yeah um honestly i've been really really happy i, I have been struggling hobby wise just because i've i think to some extent because i've been doing so much for so long with the videos and everything i just kind of i need a couple of weeks to kind of just relax and I, i'm a little bit burnt out to some extent um 
So I've just I haven't been doing as much hobby, and I've kind of been doing kind of the the, the more little stuff, the finishing details. Well, I just it, keep going, and I'll speak from this too, Bruce. I mean, and this is you know, if I can, I'm getting a you know a Voton army in in November. But this is part of the reason where you know I've become more interested in the board game, you know, part of the hobby where you know I could take this down here, sit down, play a game, and not feel bad that it's not painted because it's a board game. How mm-hmm. many people are going to sit down and paint that? Two percent. Oh, so there, there are there are people that do, but there, there are yes, but it's it's not the same way of like you know you. Know, like you know games workshop oh you get points now if you show up with a paying army yeah dude unless it's a tournament where there's an actual like you're going for best paid right. or three color minimum or blah 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 if you're showing up on a saturday and so i was like oh well i get extra uh, victory points because the game now says that my army's paying yours isn't stupid like yeah, it I is. get what they're trying to do, but you know, when you start doing that, you're also going to start irritating people too. And so, like, w- when it gets to the point of like you've been doing so much for so long, and it's just like, I just want to sit down and play a game, and it doesn't matter. Like, yeah, I- I'm feeling kind of like you know, like cheese that I went through, and I've got this all primed, and hardly any of it painted now. <laughs> yeah, I I was one of the people like when I was playing 40k, and like. I didn't really enjoy my 40k experience. Like, we've spoken about this before. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's got nothing to do with the game. It was all the community that I struggled with. Sorry, guys, but it's true. Uh, but I was one of the people that was like, look, there should be rewards for those that are putting the effort in and a deterrent for those that are being lazy in a tournament sense. You can't do that in casual games. Yeah. And I'm sorry, but I'm going to go on the record here and say, look, Guys, if you're trying to play 40k and your opponent is trying to pull that on you in a casual setting, walk away from the table. They're not worth playing with. Like, quite frankly, that is a that is a bad move and a very very unfriendly one. Yeah. Um, like that that is very clearly designed for competitive play that ruling whatever you want to do with your friends is what you want to do with your friends now if you have a friendship group that that is an expectation that's different but you can't just turn up to a random thing and just expect strangers to live up to the same standards that you do that is not cool and unfortunately a very 40k thing to do yep sorry but there is a there is a reason why the tabletop games industry gets looked at in a certain way from everybody else. And this is one of them. All right, moving on. Talk nerdy to me. All right. So. Change your pace, change your direction. Change of, well, not so much change of direction, but change of pace for this episode. Um, all right. Context. First and foremost, someone reached out to me during was it this week or last week sucks uh last this week, week. We're, we're discussing it this this past week so yeah. sometime in the last week and a half uh there's been a lot of talk in the drop zone community specifically about they want more content uh they're not not, not, not specifically from us but we are probably one of the only people that's actually in like uh, of of all the drop universe podcasts we're the only one that still exists OB has you know shut down pretty much before Drop Fleet even really started, and then with Drop Fleet there was us as the Huddle Z scanners offline, and it looks like crumbled, which they yeah they shut down in a uh, Command Value One. I don't know what happened to Command Value One. I haven't heard yeah. from them for a while. Yeah, exactly. There so... is a couple of people that have been posting like battle reports and stuff here and there. I don't know if it's a neat. 
I don't know if any of these people are can are intending to do full time stuff or not. Um, but based the feedback we got, because we were asked specifically to start covering some drop zone stuff a good year and a half ago now, and our compromise at the time was because we are a generic podcast that covers multiple things. We are not drop specific, and we never have been. We was under the hot LZ, and we left that and changed that on purpose because there's only so much. A few reasons when there's when there's no releases, and it's yeah. too much of a niche audience to only talk about one thing too. Now, the downside of that, of course, is that meant that also meant that we went into the same thing as a lot of other much larger groups. So that that is something we do realize. It's not all one sided, but like we we do want to cover more stuff, and we are going to be returning to doing a more generic talk today about how the game itself works, because we haven't really done that since we started talking about this stuff a year and a half. It may even be two years ago now. Uh, we've just kind of continued on with the series, and we've never really had any negative feedback, so we just continued on. The feedback we got this week was, quite frankly, not horrible feedback at all. Uh, the guy was very apologetic, and he was very nice. But his feedback was that, like, he, like, because he was coming from, like, he is an experienced wargamer, but he doesn't know Zone. So a lot of the stuff that we were talking about was too generic, and he didn't really get anything from it because he didn't really understand a lot of the context. Now, what this gentleman in particular wants is a podcast in and of itself, and that is not something that we can do. Uh, because I we're not paid for this. Uh, we are in debt to this, quite frankly. And and yeah. and I've been the one doing 95% of the work on this. I don't have the time for another series. Uh, even with the Bushido one, like, we are done for the moment, but there will be more, more coming um, because there's still other stuff to do. But even when that's all gone, like, I will be wanting to do and get more time for me, not throat jump straight into another series like I did last time. However, Bruce and I have chatted over the last week, and we're going yes. to record a video over a month or two in time. Yep. In more detail, going over tactics and for drop zones. So, George, you can join us, but we're also going to do one in the future all about drop fleet as well. So, yeah. So, it's not going to be there. something that you'll be getting overnight. It will be something that you'll be getting in a few months' time. But it'll probably and it will be, be a dedicated video just to that subject. And it'll probably be a good length video too i mean because we'll yep. go in detail over a bunch of stuff for both games yep. so in two different videos yeah so very very quickly drop fleet um so you've got five main factions we're not going to discuss resistance largely because resistance is kind of a build your own fleet type thing so it doesn't really count as far as you can choose what you want to do. And let, let me let me step you guys back and, and clarify that resistance is probably not the faction you should start the game with. That right. is true as well. Absolutely, it is. It is would, hard mode. I would say that in both games, actually, in both drop zone and drop fleet, you probably shouldn't start with resistance. Maybe maybe you could in drop zone a little more fleet, but I, I definitely drop fleet. I agree with you there, George. In zone, it's very much guerrilla tactics, guerrilla warfare type tactics like their their weaponry is not as advanced as everybody else's looks really cool though um there's not really any plastic minis it's all metal and um resin i think it's 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 all in that wheelhouse um which is not a bad thing it's just it just is what it is anyway um, drop fleet tactics basics yes yeah. drop drop fleet so ucm very much um 
Like they're very much all rounders, kind of have a little bit of everything. They have the best burnout lasers in the game. Um, they're not the only ones that have them. They just have the best ones. Agreed. But uh, they're kind of like they're good of a lot of things, but they don't master anything in particular. They have, they have very good uh, mass driver turret weapons, arc wise, mm. where they can shoot two hundred seventy degrees on some of their arcs for some yep. of their weaponry. So. Makes it a lot easier. It makes it a lot easier. If you get in the middle of of a whole bunch of ships, you can still have that range to shoot, but then you you still have, like uh, Bruce said, your burn-throughs to shoot straight out in front of you and just flash everyone uh, with with, uh, spikes. So they they have the best... Oh, what's the word I'm thinking of? Pinger in the game. They with their uh, yeah yeah. They can they can do a one of the special orders where you can make ping a, a ship across the board with one of the little frigate ships. Uh, granted, you're getting a major spike for it, but if you have a squad of those, is George it the Lima? Like it. The Lima, yeah. yeah. George isn't George isn't gonna like it as a Shaltari player because he likes to be outside of everyone's range. I, but, I don't care. I don't care. No, I don't exactly. think he cares at all. He has shields. Yeah, exactly. But well, I have shields and I have the longest range, so I don't care. Yeah. Um, I I think the best way to quickly uh, surmise the UCM is they are the best at being average. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that's that's not a bad thing. No, no. It, 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 it depends no, on how you want to play your game. I mean, if 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 you are new to gaming and someone says, "Hey, here's Drop Fleet Commander," you're like, "Yeah, okay." The UCM is going to be so so great because it is so forgiving because everything is average you don't have one thing that sucks you have everything that's average and if you screw up it's not the end of the world for well, you screw up a movement with a phr ship and well you you've may lost not the game it. you may not have it next turn and you, your game is shot yeah. you know yeah. you'll know, get your uh, skirt ships with too many spikes on them and you might be screwed so yeah. I, yeah, moving across design very quickly, and pretty much it's copy and paste ish because it's yes. very much there. Like it's very much average all rounders. Uh, they do have more range than the Scourge do, uh, not necessarily more than the Shaltari, but we'll get to Shaltari shortly. But they are slower um, than the Scourge in terms. But of they are yes on the ground, so they yeah. make up for it in that range aspect. Is is they're they have good range. But their units are slower. Yeah, because they don't need both. Is the yeah. idea moving across to Scourge in Drop Fleet? Scourge very much love close action to the point where most of their ships have a rule that if if I'm within scanning distance of you, then I take your shield and your armor point down. It's I think um, it's all but one ship has that special rule. Yeah, it's, yeah. There's only a couple that doesn't. Yeah, most I, of I, them don't. I, I think it's only one, but yeah. Um, the other thing about the Scourges, too, is they have the weakest scan of, of the game. Yep. But they have, like, a slightly above average thrust. And that plays into the, they want to be close. So they're not yeah. going to be able to see far to shoot, but they're going to be able to move quickly with some of their, you know, like, cloak and stuff like that moving silently, too. Yeah. And get up close with having a very small target to shoot at. Another yeah. thing the Scourge have is, is as George mentioned, uh, some of their ships have cloaking devices and so they're able to shoot and go silent running very easily. And, and they are the only ones game where all of their frigates have atmospheric capability where yeah. you can dip them into the atmosphere and dip them back up if you need to. 
Um, they even have a ship that allows you to shoot from atmosphere back up into orbit without a penalty. Without a penalty, exactly. Uh, so it's very, very valuable for them. They're almost like a submarine unit. Um, so yeah. yeah, and drop zone has a similar-ish type thing. Like they, they, like one of the questions is that one of the ships we talked about last time. We were talking about the heavy tanks and stuff. Um, like one of them didn't have much in the way of a range, and we hadn't really explained why. This is why the scur. Uh, well, he didn't actually say which ship, it, which tank it was, but I'm pretty sure it was the scourge. Uh, the scourge don't do long range. They do up in your face and if they're in your face they will do a lot of damage uh in order to get around that you want to take them out before they get to you uh people that have played these sorts of armies in the past will know how much of a glass cannon that approach can be because if you face something that's really good like the shaltari and taking things down from a distance then you may not ever ever get to close at close range you've got to be very careful with how you present things um Most that, of their... it tends to be a play style that people will either love or they will hate they are very much glass cannon i've got drop zones battle uh builder on my other screen right now and looking at their armors their armors range 14 where your ucm is 12 to 15 or 15 14 15 range um and their range for their weapons the highest i've seen far is 18 inches so yeah very much speed is their advantage and and they move around in packs they, they have cheap units and so you can buy a whole bunch of them yeah, for a lot because you're going to need a bunch, especially if you get hunter tanks and stuff like that. Um, that way, uh, the the big thing to keep in mind with the UCM versus Scourge is they are designed quite deliberately to be the opposite of each other. Yes. Um, more so than the other two that we'll talk about in a minute, but like they well, are directly well, designed against each other. Well, it makes sense too since they are the the starter box factions and always have been. Yeah, so. Um, so, we want to get into things a little bit more tactical. Let's talk about the PHR in fleet. Broadsides! The hardest faction to learn. So do not yeah. start them if you are a brand new player to fleet. Yes, you may look at their ships and think they are the best looking ships. Because some of us agree here that they are the, some of the best looking ships. On average, the, the PHR has the best looking fleet on average. Period. But they are the hardest to play because 95% of their weapons are broadsides. In yeah. one way or another. I will counteract what he says just a little bit. Uh, because, no, you are right. I mean, they are harder to play because you have to plan two or three turns in advance. But if you're someone that understands how broadside weapons work, or you really enjoy a challenge, sometimes picking the faction that's harder really can be a long-term investment that pays off. Yep. Uh, especially if you're that sort of person that really enjoys it. Like picking the easy faction, like, and to be fair, like they're not like they're not hard because they're difficult or weak. They're hard because. In order for them to be at their best, you have to play in really well. Um, I am not the sort of player that will play PHR. Like, it's just not in my wheelhouse. But I know two or three other people here locally that did quite on purpose and really enjoy it. I, yeah. I, that, that's who I play primarily, is, is I, and I love them, actually. No, um, no, that, that being said, though, too, uh, stats-wise, the PHR have a slightly above-average scan when you, you compare it to the UCM, yep. way better than the Scourge. Uh, they're slightly slower. They're slightly slower than the UCM and obviously the Scourge. Um, they have the best armor in the game. Yes, yep. and the best hull points in the game on average. And, and, and the yes. best hull points on average in the game, yeah. So, you know, that the tactically having to move them slightly 
slow getting me into position, you know, they they are set up for that to, you know, take a little more of a beating before they give one out. Yeah. Most of the time what I do with my ships is run up in silent running. Get, yep. in, get within. Yeah, I saw Sam down there. <laughs> get within the, the middle of the board and then I start blasting them away. If I get some, because some of my ships will have front, front forward uh, weapons, a burn through laser, a turret, whatnot. Um, another thing the PHR has is, as we know, the best bombers in the game. Um, well, best bombers and best Corvettes. Yes, the Corvettes are pretty they also, they also have arguably the best Dreadnought in the game, too. Yes. I would say arguably, not not definitively. Uh, it, I do think the Scourge might be up there with them, the, with that. The, yeah, the Romulus, the one with the big, huge cannon, is nasty. I've been the, able to the, with the with the overcharge. I've been able to take out a UCM dreadnought in one shot with the overcharge. If if you get lucky enough with the rolls, yeah. So, so um, not you, Bruce. No, no, no. Um, not, not Bruce. In terms of zone, speaking of the PHR dreadnought, oh, yeah. we have an unboxing coming up. I hate you. I'm jealous because I still not mine. mine. It doesn't. I know it's not it doesn't yours. Doesn't belong to me. I know it's not yours, but I still want to hold one. Oh well. <laughs> um. If you don't understand what a broadside is, by the way, it's you sliding your ship in between two other ones and then shooting outwards to destroy the other two. Think of 18th century Age of Sail ships. I was just going to yes. say, you know, think of, you know, you know, the Revolutionary War, you know, like, you know, all the cannons on the side of the ship. That's the yep. broad side. Yep. Yeah. Quite literally, it's the broad side, not the sharp side. Yeah. So, if you're getting moving... shot at, you go to, you put your skinny face forward. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then finally, uh, no, sorry, not finally. PHR no. in zone. Zone. <clears throat> so this is that... where we have our first major divergence because yes. obviously broadsides don't exist in zone. No, you can't have broadsides in zone, or it should be dead. Um, they are they circular. Are, yes, true. Um, they are an interesting faction to play in drop zone. I also play them on drop zone. They are, uh, again have heavier uh, units in terms of hit points. Um, even their basic standard um, type one walkers are considered have two hit points where the Shaltari and the Scourge and even the UCM tanks that are comparable to them have one. Um, but the PHR are very, very slow, kind of like in fleet. Um, so their movement for their walker is three inches where a tank for Scourge is nine inches. A tank for UCM is, is four. Um, so it's not huge in terms of UCM and, and PHR, but that three-inch movement over a course of a six-turn game, it's going to add up, uh, which yeah. is why they have a little bit more heavy arm. The, the cool thing about PHR is a, their uh, Hades, their Scorpion Walkers, the majority of them have white nanomachines, and so they can heal their own units, um, specifically so that they can... Um, they only have two hit points on their on a lot of their smaller walkers. The Shaltari uh, large walkers have hit four hit points, and so... Um, I I think the Zeus or the not the Zeus the Hyperion gun is probably their best weapon um, for the PHR because it's one infinite range, um, but also can hit well uh, when it rolls to hit. Uh, so yeah, very very interesting faction to play PHR wise on in zone. Um, their behemoths, oh my goodness, I am dying to get my hands on one of them. <laughs> they look awesome. Are you asking? Yeah. For, are you going to ask for permission or for forgiveness? Uh, it might be your forgiveness one. <laughs> <laughs> All right. 
And then finally, would you like to play any game on easy mode? Are you the sort of person that likes to complain constantly about how your force is completely underpowered and been nerfed to hell, even though while at, at the same time you know deep down that you have the most powerful force in the game? Uh, well, you too could listen force, to George and now listen to him ramble. No, no, so first of all, actually, I've never actually complained about the nerfs. I've actually said the nerfs have been needed. because, But that was too easy. <laughs> no, you're, you're not wrong. So Actually, Shaltari, no, you, have, you have complained about the nerfs. No, the only thing I have complained about <laughs> is the Shaltari not having a bulk lander equivalent. There's this complaint. That is my only complaint, is there's no bulk lander equivalent. You don't so, need one. You've got 40 million gates that you can just go whoop, 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 whoop. They all got points, and they can all get shot at. So I know. But uh, the Shaltari, they have the best range of the game, so they can stay a long ways away and shoot at you. They have the best uh, thrust in the game. Oh, well, they're, no, they're tied with the Scourge, so they can yes. run away pretty easily, too. Um, they have the best array of weapons. And when I say the best array, I'm talking you have weapons that hit on two or higher. Yeah. yeah. You have weapons that hit on three or higher. You have a couple that hit on four or higher. Okay, so when the game, the with the way the game breaks down with, you know, you know, so if I hit on a two up, right? So two and three are normal. Four, five, and six are criticals. Yeah. Three and four, you know, five and six are criticals. If you look at the UCM, the Scourge, even the PHR, most everything is a four up. The Shaltari have a whole bunch that are three up. Yeah. Uh, they also have shields, so they automatically just say, hey, you can see me from across the board, but you can't critical me, and I get a roll every save. Yeah. So, um, um, they have and, the, they have the the lowest amount of hull points. So yes. tactically, that's actually an advantage in some cases too, because none of their medium or lighter cruisers can have the big explosion. Mm, true, that yeah. is a good point. So so tactically, that's kind of a thing. Um, I kind of like that too. Um, but yeah, they for for the points they have, they can sit there and shoot all day. Uh, yeah. The other thing that's annoying is their their aforementioned gate system. You yeah, can have that's where I was about to come in on. Sit all the way in the back, out of range, and go and just drop stuff wherever. Um, yeah. Now the gates too also have like some of the best shooting and other stuff going down on the planet too. Yeah. So. Um, and because they're in atmosphere, you either have to have, you know, something go into atmosphere or have the atmospheric specific weapon to shoot at them easily. They still get shields and saves. Yeah. That's why I like my PHR Corvettes. But here, here's the thing with Scourge. If you allow your Scourge players to get their gate network in place. Shaltari's? Not Scourge. Shaltari. Oh, sorry. Yeah, Shaltari. If you allow them to get that gate network in place at that point, it becomes very difficult for you to win. Very, very difficult. It's also extremely hard to stop them doing that. I would argue too hard. Um, I personally think that the gates need to have their shields taken off when they get into atmosphere, but not before. Uh, that's just my personal opinion on balance. Uh, but it's not an impossibility. Like, not by a long shot. If you can break up that chain, then the Scourge, that, sorry, the Shaltari player is kind of ruined. Like, it's just that, that they... I don't want to call them one-trick ponies, but in the case of how they get their points, they very much are. Uh, because yeah. if you ruin that plan, and you are better off to take this... You are very much better off to take the gates on 
and not the mothership because you won't get to the mothership you'll die trying mm-hmm. um unless you're playing against somebody that's not very good like also also i will say the shaltari even even with the change to the weapon profile they still have the best ship in the game for erasing other ships and it's not a dreadnought yeah in fact i don't know anybody that even owns the dreadnought yeah you do oh do you have the dreadnought yeah i've got the dreadnought um oh that's right it... you had to wait 12 months for it to... yeah that's right you yeah. got the dreadnought by somebody else no, no, uh, I, I, I uh, got it Christmas. Sam, what did you get me the Dreadnought? Was that two years ago? Yeah, it was two years ago. Um, no, but uh, I, I got the Dreadnought to have the Dreadnought. I would take the Diamond over it, you know, all day long because no, well, you, you get some good rolls. It's a better ship. Yeah, you get some good yeah. rolls with that weapon, which it's not hard because, again, it's a two-up. Uh, you got a really good chance to, you know, put a really solid hurt on a Dreadnought mm. with a battle. Now, Shaltari in zone. Gates are obviously still a thing. Yes. So you've got, I, you've I, got teleportation around the board. So, yeah, j- unlike the Scourge, Shaltari, and PHR, where they have um, drop ships that have to carry their units across the board, and in yep. version one, your drop ships were dedicated to those units. They couldn't pick up the other units in the board, in around Thank the board. Thank God so, that changed. I'm so happy yeah. that changed in version two yeah. because it needed to happen. Um, <laughs> so, like uh, Bruce was saying, I also agree with they are a one trick pony in terms of our gate system and, and drop zone. They start yep. losing gates. They can't start shuffling stuff around the board because the, the cool thing, the nice thing about the gate system with the Shaltari is so you've got three huge walkers over here with a Gaia gate, and you got another Gaia gate halfway across the board. One turn there, they've popped up, and the same turn they pop down across oh, on the, the other board. side of the board. Yeah, on the other side of the board, and if you're not ready for it, there goes your flank on that side of the board. So now, here's the yeah. other but, advantage too. Here's the other advantage. So everything's on a dropship, right? So you shoot at the dropship, and the dropship crashes. What happens to all the stuff on the dropship? Yeah, it goes. It goes away. If you well, shoot it, down a gate for the Shaltari, it does nothing to the other stuff because the stuff's not actually on the Gaia because it's just a tall teleportation bubble. So, yep. And all the stuff is actually up on a mothership that's going through a gate network down to the Gaia onto the ground. Yeah. So, yeah, that's yeah. that's it. But you take out all of our gates and they're walking across the board. So they, they are slow, but they have shields as well. They have active countermeasures and most of the units have shields as well, passives. And so they can, just like in fleet, they can roll saves on everything pretty much, except for criticals. Um, so it's pretty nice. And they have probably some of the best troops out there too. Um, they have some really, their, their troops have some really strong armor. And so it's hard to kill them. Um, even when so, you're shooting at a building and you get collateral damage, their suits can just shrug it off. Don't, um, don't they have a, a, a walker weapon too that's like range infinity with energy like 16 or something like that? That's like, yep. as long as you don't roll a one, you're going to hit it and do damage. You're talking about the Ocelot uh, Ordnance Warstrider? Yeah, it has an infinite. Yeah. Yeah. The Ocelot, 13, 13 energy. So most armor out there is a, the highest out there is, is 15. I don't know if I've seen a 16. So yeah. Don't roll a one. You're gonna do some damage on it. Yeah. So um, very quickly on the resistance. I know we touched on the um, guerrilla warfare tactics. Uh, they do have these drill vehicles that can come out of the ground, and then the troops can kind of spill out of them. That is a thing that exists for them. It's very much guerrilla tactics. It's shredder. It's shredder and the it's shredder and the guys coming out of the ground from the techno drive, as well as the big huge hovercrafts that they have. Yeah, the big huge the hovercrafts just... is a thing too. So, um, uh, the Shatari literally are the only ones that don't have to. Well, actually, sorry, you don't actually have to take those troop ships, but you're never going to win a game without them because you're just too slow. 
Uh, and yeah, the Shotari just don't need to use them. So hopefully that'll help people as far as context is concerned for things that we've discussed in the past or we'll discuss in the future. As Socks and I have said, we are going to start working on a series of videos where we actually look more in depth at the game. Uh, it's probably more going to be me and Socks because George has played one game from memory. Like, two games. Two games. Um, I haven't played a lot of games either, but I have been engrossed in the game for a lot of t for a long time. So I kind of have the advantage over George in that. Um, but well, that will be coming. Yeah, my boys and yeah. I actually just started playing last couple of weeks version two. So one of them is. I haven't played so. I haven't played version two yet. Did, didn't you that go is... through and like uh, wreck a bunch of face at a uh, UK tournament too when you were stationed over there with the Shaltari? Uh, I did. I've, I played six out of forty-two, and I brought two ocelots, and I was the only one that brought two of them. So everyone was kind of surprised that I brought two of them. I was just like, jerk. Okay. I know, right? <laughs> Bring in an infinite range weapon with an energy of 13 and bring two of them? Eh, oh, well. It was a tournament. That's what you're supposed to do. Sounds like George with his uh, diamond. No, no, I'd bring the diamond and then everything else was a freaking disintegrator bank. And I'd sit yeah, there and roll like, you know, it'd be like, you know, I'm playing the Shaltari, but it feels, it's, it's what works players feel like. Best weapon in the game. Yeah. So the disintegrator bank is the best average game weapon in the game. Yes, the particle lance triad is the He's really nice. It, it is the best weapon in the game, just because that one shot, the amount of damage you can just rack. Yeah, yeah that's so. fair. So yeah, uh, um, if you're looking to get into it and haven't brought anything yet, you can get the rule book for free from TT Combat's website. And the best way to start models-wise is to buy the starter faction for what you are getting into. Uh, without question, that is the best way of getting into the game. Absolutely. Um, with the, so that's for zone. In fleet, I would argue that the best way of getting into game is to buy the battle fleet boxes, uh, which you will have to wait for them to come in stock sometimes. But they are a larger box that have pretty much... It's an army in a box. You can build it however you want. How you build it will be very important. But we will be covering that at a later stage. Although you can get tips of that for previous as well. So just for example, a PHR starter for drop zone. You're going to get six Neptunes, which are your medium-sized drop ships. You're going to get a commander. Um, you're going to get one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight infantry bases. Two, uh, four Junos, which are your uh, infantry APCs. And you're going to get four or eight different walkers of various types. Um, so very good starter set uh, in terms of the PHR. So, yeah, they're, they're all very good value for money too. Or 35 pounds too, which ain't bad in terms of price for all of that. It's insanely good, yeah. We've been talking about this over and over and TT Combat probably has the best price for all their starters. Yeah, I, I, I would argue for, for, for like, uh, you know, starter boxes and everything, they have the best prices uh, in the industry for any game period. Yep. Yeah, it's hard to argue with you on that. All right, upcoming events. Tournaments, demos, conventions. You know, that kind of stuff. All right. So, Kings of War Victoria, their tournament's coming up on the 4th of June. That's coming up really, really quickly now. Uh, we will have the links to the Facebook event in the show notes. Uh, it takes place at Games Portal in Ringwood, which is a, like, it's an average size store. It's actually quite a nice store, to be honest. 
Uh, I've been there a few times. That That's where we generally tend to play our bot war games um, now that we don't attend the other local one as much anymore. Um, the Kings of War community is uh, it's very, very strong, but it's very friendly and welcoming as well. So it's definitely a good place to go. Even if you're new, like it's a newbie-friendly scene, so you, you could very easily go down that path. Uh, they're doing three 2,300-point rounds, which, again, is a very weird number, but anyway, $20 entrance. Uh, the Atomic Mass Games Mini Extravaganza is coming up in June. Uh, we touched on this a little earlier. I'm looking forward to seeing some Ewoks. I hope so, too. Um, well, we were told that they were coming this year, so we should see them. We should see some, yeah, some yeah. models. Don't they already have the Wookiees? Yes. Yes. They're That's they're why just, I said Ewoks. Then just cut them, half, cut them in half and put them on the base then. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. Uh, World Model Expo, 1st till the 3rd of July. Tickets are on sale. Takes place at the NH Eidhoven Conference Center in Koningshof, Veldhoven in the Netherlands. Michelle still hasn't told me off for saying it wrong, so I still assume that I'm saying it properly. Um, the UK Games Expo is here in literally a matter of weeks, so this is going to be another one that we're going to be talking about a lot of stuff, probably. Um, and then the next one, Gen Con, in August, so I'm sure we'll be seeing a lot of stuff, for sure, with Gen yep. Con fully open this year, um, not like it was last year, so... I'm sure we'll be seeing a lot of stuff coming out of Gen Con too. So. Yep. Uh, and PAX Australia is happening in October from the 7th, so Friday the 7th till Sunday the 9th. Uh, this is an event that's not just tabletop gaming, it's video games as well. That takes place at the Melbourne Conference and Exhibition Centre. Tickets are on sale and the three-day passes are almost completely gone. There was less than 100 passes. Well, there was less than 100 three-day passes left last I checked. Um, but yeah, thank you very much to those that support us on Patreon. Um, without your support, this would be very, very difficult and probably would have fallen over a long time ago. Uh, thank you for the support that you show us on Discord. If you're someone that does use Discord, then I will put something down the bottom with a link that you can have a look at and you can join and actually have a chat. Uh, you can find us on YouTube, youtube.com slash getting tabled. Give us a subscribe. We are... Are just a few away from 300 at this point so definitely give us a look there facebook.com slash getting tabled is the most active channel that we have social media wise uh, everything that we host ends up getting shared there pretty much first before anything else uh, if you would like to reach out to our team you can do that getting tabled at gmail.com I mean we would love like I mentioned earlier that we had feedback from somebody earlier um, and like it was worded very very like if you have feedback throw it through we're very very open to it um you can also find us on twitter at getting tabled and instagram at getting tabled and i think that's it i think so i have a twitch twitch.tv slash jason the bruce oh i, I thought you meant you like you know like <laughs> i've been killing people on hitman lately thank you thank you thank you thank you thank you thank you for listening to getting tabled Music used in this podcast was created by Eric Mataris at soundimage.org. Hey, more games. Thank you, folks. Yep. 304. 304? 304 subs. Oh, we've had oh. more overnight then. Nice.
Hi, Sam. Hi. I was trying to pinch his head. You know, like... Oh, is that what you were trying to do? Yes, I was trying to pinch his head. I was as confused as Sam very clearly was. (laughs) Uh, You want to come say hi, Sam? Hi, Sam. Hi.